Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to season two, episode three of the X Factor Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Mondain. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. Shout out to everybody. Like, share, and subscribe. You can also catch the audio of the X Factor Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. We have a great show for you guys tonight. We're going to get into NFL Week 1, what we've learned, what we saw. We got your favorite segment, Bet That, is back this week. We are also got a great two-minute warning for you guys. But got some quick NBA news or some quick news for you guys before we get into all of that. With the quick news, the WNBA playoffs actually starts tonight. If you don't, if you're not familiar with the WNBA, there's eight teams that make it to the playoff. Shout out to the Chicago Sky for getting that last spot on the last day of the regular season. Their reward is they get to play the defending WNBA champion. Las Vegas Aces. Hopefully they can get a game out of them, but not so sure they will. The Aces have been the best team record-wise all year. And we got the New York Liberty playing against Washington Mystics, Connecticut, Minnesota, and Dallas and Atlanta. So eight teams make the WNBA playoffs. Little different than the NBA playoffs. They do a best of five series until the WNBA finals. I'm sorry, a best of three series. And then the WNBA Finals is a best of five. So these first couple rounds, first team to get two wins, wins the series. So be interesting to see what happens. I will have storylines for you guys as the WNBA continues through the playoffs. A big storyline, though, that is talked about. Candace Parker, forward for the Vegas Aces, has a chance to make history. She can be the first woman in WNBA history to win a WNBA title for three different franchises. She won for the LA Sparks in her younger years, came home to Chicago and won one with us for the Sky. And now she has an opportunity to win her third one in a third location in Vegas. Heavy favorites to do that. Also, we got Brianna Stewart can make history going home to the New York Liberty and winning the NBA title for them. We'll see what happens. WNBA starts tonight, WNBA playoffs, and we'll see who goes. Heavy favorites, Vegas and New York are probably going to meet each other in the final. We will talk about it when we get there. Keeping it with the ladies, of course, ladies first. Congratulations to Coco Golf, 19-year-old American tennis player, African-American tennis player at that, wins her first major U.S. Open title on Saturday. Congratulations to her, moved up to number three in the world after being the number two tennis player in the world in the title in a final. Congratulations to her. It's her first of many major titles. Also on the men's side, congratulations to Novak Djokovic, winning his 24th major. So we had some history this weekend with Coco winning her first major ever and Novak winning his 24th, which marks the most by a male tennis player in history. So shout out to him, most by any man. A lot of people talk about his Novak GOAT, best tennis player ever. For me personally, I'm taking Serena as far as all tennis players. Serena gets the nod from me. But if we're talking about men, I think it comes in eras. There were different eras of tennis. When I was growing up, Pete Sampras was the best. And then it transitioned to Roger Federer in the early 2000s and now i think is novak Djokovic. now rafi nadal was in there kind of peeking his head in honestly i don't think he's better than any of those three just because he was great on certain courts but not on all of them so didn't have the all-around game so i have to give the nod to Djokovic for this generation he's the best tennis player letting carlos alcaraz sit wait for a second told him hold up i got a couple more majors to win you sit back and wait till you get your turn. So congratulations to those tennis players for winning the U.S. Open this weekend. Also, U.S. men's basketball falls to Canada in the FIBA World Championships. Last week, we talked about would they even win a gold medal or they don't have a chance to win a gold medal. To losing in the third place bronze medal game to Canada, they didn't even medal this year. 
disappointing leads to the story that we talked about last week are we sending our best players over is the world catching up congratulations to germany for winning the gold this year in the feeble world championships in u.s falling in fourth place not even meddling and now you see all this stuff on social media people talking about oh america's sending the avengers next year lebron kd steph i'm gonna tell y'all right now if we need to send a 39 year old man to go win us a gold medal in basketball the world is catching up a lot faster than we thought there's no reason lebron should be called upon to go play in another olympic he's played in five olympics over the course of his career he's in year 21 let that dude relax sit on the beach watch his kids play we shouldn't need a 39 year old coming to the rescue to win a gold medal for usa we have enough good players here in the u.s kd steph dame lillard devin booker jason tatum jamal or jamal murray's in canada joel Embiid has american citizenship like we have enough players we even have some good guys on this fiba championship that could probably play with them but this is what happens when you send over nba american nba players that aren't even all-stars you send them to play in the feeble world championship against grown men and they get beat so now we're crying and talking about we need to send our best of course we need to send our best that's what it should have been in the first place i understand steve kerr is trying to build a program but we're about winning and we need to get back to that sometimes it's hard to get the veterans to play but i guess they're mad because we lost you know making that track star actually sound legitimate when he says the nba championship in the world championship so now we got to go back and get the gold 2024 i guess this makes it dramatic good for tv we can say we're going to avenge something but if we need lebron to go do it the world's caught up more than we thought so let that man chill also last but not least on the quick news chris jones finally agrees to a deal with the chiefs so he will be playing this sunday i believe i'm gonna be honest with y'all this was the worst holdout i've ever seen in football <laughs> at least the worst in recent memory usually when a veteran holds out in the nfl i had a very spirited debate with some friends of mine watching the thursday night game but usually when a veteran player takes a holdout is for one or two reasons one their guaranteed money is up or two they want more years on a contract all right he was in the last year of a four-year 80 million dollar deal so it made sense he he got all of his guaranteed money so of course he's going to want to get a contract that guarantees him more money and gives him more years instead of doing that instead of playing out his regular contract this year where it was like 16 and a half 17 million he's guaranteed 19.5 for one year and then he doesn't have any future money next year so what was the point of the holdout the two things we just talked about guaranteed money more years so you get one year to show that you are still good at football or you're still good at that position it just makes the holdout very pointless i don't know if he worked out in the offseason or in the preseason training camp so now he's going to come back sluggish and try to ramp up now that he has this one-year guaranteed deal this is basically a franchise tag with incentives so the incentives he got he can make up to 25 million with incentives but a lot of things have to happen it it, it talks about play time like he has to play 35 to 50 percent of the games to get bonuses he has to record 10 sacks to get another 1.5 million in bonuses. 15 sacks gets him another $500,000. And then if he makes first team all pro or defensive player of the year and the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. So all these incentives, essentially what the Chiefs said is we're going to give you a franchise tag. You're going to make around what the best D linemen make. And then you're incentivized if you hit these benchmarks. So what was the point of the holdout? To get one year, they basically scraped, scrapped your last deal. So you don't even get the last year of that 80 million contract. 
they give you a brand new deal of 19 guaranteed with incentives. So the holdout means nothing. You're just going to probably hold out next season. So what was the point? Now you missed the game. You lost that game check. You'll get an opportunity to get it back with the incentives. But you lost training camp. And now you got to ramp back up in week two when the season's off and running. You probably won't look like Chris Jones until week four at best. And now it's hampering you from getting the incentives, the 10 sacks, the 15 sacks, or the first team all pro, because you won't be able to play. You won't be at your peak until a quarter of the season is gone. So what was the point of the holdout? So all you did was sit up in the crowd with your two agents and watch the game from the stands and then made a deal with the Chiefs for one year. Didn't make any sense at all. So I don't understand why. If you're going to hold out, hold out. And if you're going to get a deal, get a deal done where you got some years and some security. So one of the worst holdouts I've seen in recent memory. So, But for the Chiefs, I'm sure they're happy to have them back in the building, happy to have them playing. But you might get the same old soap opera next season because he only signed for one year. So we're going to stay on football. And I want to get into this. Is Aaron Rodgers' career over? Is this the last we've seen of Aaron Rodgers? Y'all probably watched all these shows on other networks, giving you their hot takes and giving you all this stuff about what they think Aaron Rodgers would do, how competitive he is, all that stuff. I'm going to start below the surface about this subject, and then I'm going to work my way up to this to the obvious stuff. All right, below the surface, let's look at it. The NFL pushed a lot of money into Aaron Rodgers playing for the New York Jets. Don't kid yourself. He played in Green Bay for 17 years, a very small market. The team is owned by the townspeople. He basically played in Whoville. So they finally got him to the biggest market in the world, media market. The NFL is in New York City. They pushed so much, the NFL pushed so much money behind Aaron Rodgers. They had a TV show. They were on Hard Knocks. All of the hype was pushing towards Aaron Rodgers getting a New York team into relevancy that hadn't been there for years. So they lose out on that. The money that he was going to generate. The tickets that were sold just for the first game. For those of you who don't know what happened to Aaron Rodgers, I'll back up. He tore his Achilles on Monday Night Football, four plays into his season, four, four plays into his tenure with the New York Jets. I text in a bunch of different text groups. We were talking about it, and right away we knew it was an Achilles. The initial tackle, it didn't look that bad, and he stayed on He tried to get up, and then he went back down. I was like, that's an Achilles. When you look at the replay, you can see how his calf kind of shakes, basically exploding. I've had a calf injury where I've looked back and, Thought somebody kicked me and thought it was a, an Achilles. Thankfully, it wasn't. And I've seen it over the last few years. Unfortunately, Achilles tears from different athletes, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant. So when I saw that and I saw him get up and then go back down, I knew it was an Achilles. So it's unfortunate that it happened to him, especially four plays into his season. <clears throat> With all these hopes that New York Jets fans had, the NFL had, he was going to drive a lot of money to the NFL. They had a lot of primetime games. And that's what's below the surface. Now to get to the obvious stuff. Aaron Rodgers is done playing football. All right? Think about it this way. Let's go with the facts. We had our hopes that he would play good for the New York Jets anyway. Number one. If we look back the last year, he didn't throw over 300 yards, not one time last season with a good offensive line. He's always had a good offensive line in Green Bay. They had an opportunity to go to the playoffs in the last week of the season at home, and they lost to the Detroit Lions. He didn't have a good year last year at 38 years old. Fast forward, he comes to the Jets. The offensive line was still trying to get everything together with Aaron Rodgers. He even talked that he alluded to it in training camp. The offensive line is not where it needs to be. 
if you watch the game, you saw the first couple plays of the game, he's running for his life at 39 years old. So he didn't have a great season last year. He comes to a team with a, a less than better offensive line than he had in Green Bay. Tears his Achilles, unfortunately. Now let's say he heals in a year. Now we have a 40-year-old coming back that will soon be 41 in December. So it, in the middle of the season, he would turn 41 off an Achilles tear. The last full season he played, he did not play great. He's playing with a not-so-good offensive line, and we expect him to come back. I don't think he's doing it. I think we've seen the last of Aaron Rodgers. This is not a hot take. This is just looking at what I saw last season from Aaron Rodgers and what's happened to him and seeing if he will come back next year. And anybody will tell you an Achilles injury, um, Clay Thompson as well, most recently. An Achilles injury takes you almost two years to get to feeling like you felt before. So if we're doing the math, He's 39 years old now. One year to recover. He probably won't be himself when he comes back. And we're waiting to see if he will be himself in two more years from now. When his last season, he wasn't that good. I don't think he's coming back. It's just common sense to me. If he comes back, that's great. It'll be great for the NFL. But me paying attention to what's happening I don't see a I don't see an avenue where Aaron Rodgers comes back to play football. As competitive as he is, is he going to want to come back and play if he's not at the highest level? He's not going to want to come back and be mediocre. Also, this past summer, just in the last 6 months, when he did his darkness retreat, he said he was 90% sure he was going to retire then. And every athlete knows when you start talking about retiring or quitting something, when you let that creep into your psyche, you're already done. So he's already talked about, I need to go to his darkness retreat to see if I even want to play football. Now, let's not kid ourselves. We remember Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. He's still the egotistical guy. He loves the adulation. He loves for everybody to cheer for him. And he was going to get showered with that in New York. He's coming to a big city change the jersey number. That Super Bowl three trophy looks a little lonely. Like he had all the right things to say. Very presidential, very Russell Wilson-like. But in reality, he did not play well when he left Green Bay. And that's why they were comfortable going with Jordan Love. Because they felt like they've seen the best of Aaron Rodgers. So now we're asking him to come back from an Achilles tear. And he probably won't be 100% when he comes back if he rehabs for a year and then try to get him to play another year. So by 42, we're expecting him to be good. I think it's over. I don't think that's too big of a take to see. Yes, we know he's a competitor. It all sounds good. But when you're alone in those dark days of rehabbing, I think personally he's going to rehab, but he's going to rehab more for everyday life. Because right now, I mean, he's going to get the Achilles surgery. It's going to take him six months. I won't say six, maybe three to four months before he even feels comfortable walking normal. And now we got to get into the rehab of it. You're away from the team. You're isolated. He's not traveling with anybody. He's alone in his rehab. Then once you get the rehab, now you're walking normal at 40 years old. Now you want to see if you can play NFL football. And then when you get to that, now you got to worry about getting hit. Now you got to worry about running from defensive linemen. I don't think it's happening. The reality of the situation is it's an uphill climb. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm saying I don't think he wants to do it. And for that reason, I think Aaron Rodgers is done. He had a great career. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. One of the best quarterbacks of this generation. I just don't see a reality where he comes back and if he does come back, plays at a high level. LeBron James and Tom Brady made it seem like this is possible to play at an elite level in the latter years of your playing career. Those guys are anomalies. What LeBron is doing is not normal. All right. Going into year 21, 
about to be 39 years old. What he's doing is not normal. Normal NBA players don't do that. Go and look at the stats of players that's in year 20, year 19. They're averaging seven points a game, playing 15 minutes maybe. It's not normal what he's doing. What Tom Brady did, playing to 45, winning Super Bowls, going to the playoffs, that's not normal. You look at the Vinny Testaverdes, Warren Moons, when they were in their 40s, they weren't playing that good. So to think that Aaron Rodgers can do this and that it's normal, let's stop, okay? It's not normal. What's normal is, unfortunately, when the toughest sports injury, besides obviously losing a limb or not being able to walk, tearing an Achilles, coming back in your 40s at that position, mentally he may be able to do it, but physically it's just going to be an uphill battle that I don't think he even wants to do. So that's why I think he's out. So when we come back, the X Factor Sports Podcast, like I told you, we got a great show for you guys. We're going to talk about what we learned from week one of the NFL season. This is Jay Mondane of the X Factor Sports Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. We will be right back. Season two of the X Factor Sports Podcast is here. Be sure to tune in live every Wednesday night on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok for real unbiased sports talk. Jay Mondane is bringing a fresh new point of view on the sports world. You don't want to miss out. Subscribe to the X Factor Sports Podcast today. Audio available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. The X Factor Sports Podcast. Real talk for real sports fans. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. Had a great layup line monologue. I hope you guys tuned in for that. Now we are going to get into what we learned from week one of the NFL season. I'm, I'm going to touch on four things that we learned about. All right. The first thing is obvious, right? The first string, our, our number ones, need preseason. All right. They need more snaps. Week one was so damn sloppy. The games were sloppy. There was no scoring. Like, it was turnovers. No continuity on the offensive end. So, one of the things I learned from week one is our starters need to play more in the preseason. They wanted three weeks of preseason play to ramp up. They didn't want the fourth one because now we're in week 18. So, now it's more important it's imperative that our starters play in the preseason because it looks real sloppy and now the season is going and as you saw bad quarterback play bad o-line play that's a that is a result of not playing together so i think there needs to be more continuity I think these guys need to play more in the preseason maybe they don't need to play the last week of the season of the preseason but definitely the first two weeks get two series in at least get get hit figure out what the ball feels like like get back on the field some competition because when we get into week one it's real sloppy bad product so but but we did learn some good stuff the miami dolphins could win their division you got the buffalo bills in there all the hype was behind the jets obviously with unfortunately what happened to aaron Rodgers. And then we don't believe the New England Patriots are, are that good this year. The Miami Dolphins can go as far as an AFC title game. It's one game, overreacting, but based off what we've seen, it's an offensive league. A healthy Tua Tagovailoa can score with anybody. Yes, we got a couple teams that have great defenses, but when you got an offense, good offense always beats good defense. And a healthy Tua with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill looks like a video game. I mean, he's the fastest guy in the league. He's become a true wide receiver over the last couple of years where he can catch anything. He can run every route in the route tree. When you need a clutch, third down catch, a touchdown catch. If you watched that game last week, Tyreek Hill has been able to come down with it with no problem. 
He just he is just at an elite level confidence wise. A full season with Tua, they are connected. The Miami Dolphins look good. That's what I learned last week. I also learned that the 49ers believe in Brock Purdy and Brock we trust. Mr. Irrelevant. I think the way the culture is with the 49ers, yes, it's plug and play with the with the quarterback, with Jimmy G coming in and, and going to an NFC Championship game, Brock Purdy stepping in. But I saw something last week that they allowed Brock to do that they, did, that they did not allow Jimmy G to do when he was there. He's allowed to push the ball down the field. In the eight games that he's won, he's played nine, He's thrown two touchdowns in all of those games, which is an NFL record. He has eight games in a row with two passing touchdowns. They open up the playbook for Brock Purdy. They allow him to throw the ball down the field. He can check down if he wants to. If he's got a big shot, he can take it. He made Brandon Ayuk look like an all-pro against the Steelers on Sunday. The team rallies behind him, and they let Trey Lance go for a box of cookies. So clearly, they... <laughs> They like Mr. Irrelevant. I think I don't think he's irrelevant anymore. Call him Brock. But the 49ers showed us what we learned last week in week one, that they believe in Brock Purdy. They have an elite defense, arguably the best defense in the league, and they're letting their young quarterback throw the ball six months after elbow surgery. He's playing like he never got hurt. So then the last thing we learned, the Dallas Cowboy defense. Did y'all see that massacre on Monday, on Sunday night? They beat the New York Giants 40 to nothing in New York, in the rain. It looked like a movie, like the way they beat them up. It was like high school football. The, the first string was sitting on the bench in the third and fourth quarter. <laughs> they was letting the second team get reps. Like it, it was guys making tackles I hadn't even heard of. That defense looks for real. I know it's one game. Again, this isn't an overreaction. This is what we learned from week one. They look faster. They look more physical than last year. They look more hungry than last year. And Mike McCarthy told us something. Even in a game like that where it was a blowout, Dak only threw for 140-some yards. So what is that telling us? Mike McCarthy is okay with what this defense can do and letting Dak just manage the game. If you got plays, take them. If you can get the ball down the field, that's okay. But our defense will win the day. And that's what I saw. Yes, they won 40 to nothing. The Giants are not going to be as good as they were last year. Their schedule is tougher. Daniel Jones will come down to earth. I don't think Saquon's happy. Those wide receivers still don't look great. So I don't think the Giants will be as good as they were last year. They won't sneak up on anybody. But... I'm not taking anything away from the Cowboys in that defense. They look great from start to finish. They look like they tried to prove something. I think they watched hard knocks over the summer. They heard the Jets talk about how great their defense is. I think they are going to make a statement when they play the Jets. And that's what we learned. So to sum it all up, our starters need to play more in the preseason because week one looks real sloppy especially if you're betting, because I, I lost some money <laughs> last week. I was in a loser pool, and I'm already out. So the 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 week ones, we need to clean that up for, for us betting folks, all right? The Dolphins are look impressive with a healthy Tua. They're picking up where they left off last year with Tua Tonga-Bailoa, and Tyreek Hill looks more and more comfortable in this offense with Mike McDaniel. And I think they're going to do big things in that division for sure. But definitely in the AFC, they might be one of the teams to pay attention to instead of the Cincinnati Bengals. Sneak peek on what we got coming down the way this season. 49ers in Brock we trust. I think they love Brock Purdy. think they're going to play and rally behind him. They don't care about him being a seven-round draft pick. He's a San Francisco 49er. I think they welcome him with open arms. What confidence does for a young player is priceless. And I think he's playing with that confidence. Letting Trey Lance go shows them, shows him that they believe in him. And then the Dallas defense, looking like doomsday. For all of my older guys, my older audience watching the show, you remember that doomsday defense from the Dallas Cowboys back in the day? 
we might see it again here in 2023. But when we come back, we're going to get into your favorite segment of the show. We are back with Bet That. We got five-leg NFL parlay this week. You don't want to miss. We'll be right back with the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. Like I said, this is your host, Jay Mondane. We are back with your favorite segment of the show, Bet That. This segment is where we talk about five teams. We're going to do a five-leg parlay, or five games, I should say, a five-leg parlay on the NFL this weekend. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to the X-Factor Sports Podcast be sure to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. X Factor Sports Podcast is also on Instagram, Threads, and Twitter at X Factor Sports with a Z. And if you want to hear the audio, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. The X Factor Sports Podcast is here. Now that we're at the, the best segment of the show, bet that. Let's get into this five-leg parlay. Starting with tomorrow's game, the Vikings visit the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to go ahead and take the money line on this. The way the Eagles played last week and the Vikings are a good team. I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year, but they are going to be a formidable opponent. But the Eagles home opener, I'm going to go ahead and take the money line with that. Kirk Cousins has a losing record in prime time, so I can't really rock with him on the road in prime time. The Eagles are watching it. The, they watched the film of how they played last week. I think they come out and play better. I'm predicting a close game. The Minnesota Vikings won 11 close games last year, single digit games. I don't see that happening. The NFL has a way of kind of turning the pendulum, flipping that around on teams. So I feel like they're going to lose this game. It's going to be a little disappointing for them losing to. The Bucks last week and then going on the road and losing to the Eagles. I'm going to go ahead and take the money line with the Eagles on Thursday night. For the Sunday games, <clears throat> Seahawks go to Detroit. I'm going to take the money line with the Detroit Lions on this one as well. Detroit traveling from West Coast to the East Coast for a one o'clock game on Sunday. I feel like the Detroit Lions, they got more rest. They played on Thursday night. They they're coming off a huge win on the road against the defending champion Chiefs. I feel like they're going to be fired up, opening up in, in Detroit at home after a big win. Seattle coming off of a tough loss, traveling across time zones. I feel like the Lions are more rested. They had more time to prepare. I'm going with the Lions straight up. They are still the Detroit Lions. For some reason, they're six-point favorites at home. I can't remember the last time a Detroit Lions team was favored by almost a touchdown, but they are. <laughs> I guess a lot of people are getting hyped up about it. I'm not going to fall in the trap of a six-point spread, but I will take the Lions to win at home. They are still the Lions. I'm not completely sold on them yet, but they will win straight up. So I take the Lions in the money line. The next one we got, the Raiders are doing the same thing that the Seahawks are doing. They're traveling west to east but they're going up to Buffalo and playing in a noon 1 p.m. game as well. I'm going to go ahead and take the Buffalo Bills with the money line on that. Almost the same premise with the Lions. The Bills lost their game against Zach Wilson and the Jets on Monday night. I think they have a bad taste in their mouth losing a divisional game to Zach Wilson. I think they come home and they it's more, I wouldn't call it a revenge game because they're not playing the same team, but I feel like they will 
rectify the loss that they had, even though they have a short break. When you lose a game like that, you can't wait to get back on the field. I think they'll be fired up and they'll win straight up against the Raiders. Raiders won a close game, a big divisional game last week against the Broncos, 17-16. But I think Buffalo's just pissed about what happened on Monday. So they come out pissed off and they win. I don't see Josh Allen turn the ball over four times. I think special teams won't give away a punt return in overtime for a touchdown. So I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to win that game at home. Going to be a lot of tables getting broke at the tailgates. So Buffalo Bills winning that in the money line. Jets and Cowboys. We talked about it and what we learned last week in the last segment. This is going to be a battle of two good defenses, maybe two of the best defenses in football. 49ers fans may have something to say about it. That's all good. That's why we play the game. I'm going to take the under on this game. The over-under is at 39 and a half points. I'm going to go ahead and take the under on this. I think it's a defensive battle. Two quarterbacks that don't really push the ball down the field in Zach Wilson and Dak Prescott. So I think there'll be multiple turnovers. I think two turnovers on each side, fumble, interception, however you want to slice it. These defenses are good enough to get takeaways. I see two of them on each side, making it a low-scoring game. And I don't think Zach Wilson can get 20 points. I just don't think they push the ball down the field enough. The way that defense did Daniel Jones, and he's behind a better offensive line than the Jets, and he's a better quarterback than Zach Wilson. If I'm doing the math, two plus two means under 39. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and take the under on that. All right. Then the last of the five-leg parlay, the Dolphins at New England. I'm going to take the over on this. The over is 46 and a half. It seems like a high over. But I think the Miami Dolphins will win a lot of shootouts this year. I think, um, like they did last year, they do have a defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio. They're still working the kinks out. I think when we get later into the season, they'll have that defense where they want it to be. They're good enough to get stops, timely stops, if you watched the Chargers game last week. But I don't think they're good enough to stop teams from scoring. So with that being said, the Dolphins can get 30, but they can give up 20, if that makes sense. So that's why I got the 46 and a half. I'm going to take the over on that. I can see New England at home getting 20 points. They showed some good stuff in the second half of that Eagles game last week. I think they build on that, but I don't think Mac Jones is good enough to keep up with Tua. So you can bet who you think is going to win, but because of that, I'm going to take the over. It's a divisional game, so those can be uh, unpredictable. But I think there will be some points scored. I see the Dolphins scoring 30 points in a lot of games this year and giving up 20. So that's why I'll take that. So let's run it back. We got Vikings and Eagles tomorrow. We're going to go with the money line on the Eagles playing at home, home opener. We got Seahawks going to Detroit. We're going to take the money line with Detroit in the Motor City coming off a huge win last Thursday. And we got the Bills pissed off coming back to Buffalo. And they're going to take it out on the Raiders. Then we got the Cowboys and the Jets. It may look like a game from the 70s where it's low scoring, grinded out game. That's why I'm taking the under 39 and a half points. I can see the Cowboys putting up probably 20, 24 points. But I don't think the Jets can keep up. I don't see a 40 to nothing against this defense of the Jets. So, and they know they're going to have to keep the game low to give Zach Wilson a chance. So I take the under at 39 and a half. Then the last one, we got the Dolphins and the Patriots divisional game. But the way the Dolphins play offense is like fast break. Two is the point guard. He's just going to be dishing the ball out. Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. I see a high scoring game or I see them scoring a lot. Like I said, they can get 30 and they'll give up 20. So go ahead and place that bet. Again, we are not bookies here. Check the disclaimer out, but we do love to watch and we do love to place bets. I don't give you guys any parlays that I wouldn't pick. So go ahead and get on your on your phones, wherever it is you go to place your bets. Go ahead and get on that bet that five-leg parlay. When we come back, we are going to get into our week two X factors for the NFL we got the Thursday night game. We got the Sunday game early. We got the Sunday late. 
And then we got Monday Night Football. I will give you X Factors from those games. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. We will be right back. love sports and want to stay informed about the latest news and content, then you've got to check out this podcast. The X Factor Sports Podcast is the ultimate source for your favorite sports news and analysis. This host covers all kinds of sports, you'll always be able to find something interesting to listen to. Plus, the podcast is highly entertaining and will keep you on the edge of your seat every time. So, don't wait any longer, subscribe to the X Factor Sports Podcast today. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. This is your boy, Jay Mondain. I appreciate you guys for tapping in. Hopefully you're having a great time. This has been a great show, talking football. We are in that time of the year. We are in the fall. This is where football gets talked about. Now we're going to get into our X factors for week two. If you watched last seat, if you watched last week, I talked about the X factors from week one and I, I wasn't far off. A lot of those guys had big games. So make sure y'all paying attention. Fantasy football owners, guys that like the bet parlays, guys that like the prop bet. Be sure to take a look at these X factors for this week. We're going to start with Thursday night football, the Eagles against the Vikings. My X factor for that game is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts had a sloppy week one. I think he rectifies it, comes back in week two at home, home opener. I think he wants to make a good impression with the new coordinator. He bounces back at home, plays a cleaner game. He's playing against probably one of the worst DB groups in all of football. I think he comes back, throws for two touchdowns and rushes for one. So, be sure to be on the lookout for what Jalen Hurts is about to do tomorrow in that Eagles-Vikings game. All right. For the early Sunday games, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans versus the Chargers game. I'm going to go with Nuke Hopkins, DeAndre. They're going to welcome him into Tennessee. I think it's going to be a heavy emphasis on getting him the ball, getting him acclimated. Everybody saw what Tyreek Hill did to the Chargers last week. I think you're going to see a little bit of that with DeAndre Hopkins. I think he gets the ball early and often. I see 10 catches for 85 yards and a touchdown. So be sure to have him in your lineup. I think he will be an X factor for that game. They're going to make a conscious, a conscientious effort to get Nuke Hopkins the ball and welcome him in. He didn't get a lot of work last week. I think they make sure they can get him the ball based on what they saw on the film from the Chargers. In the late Sunday game, the Dolphins and the Patriots. This sounds like I'm a damn Dolphins fan. All this talk about the Miami Dolphins. I don't know what it is, but I think the X Factor, this is an interesting game. The reason I put this game in and didn't pick any other, other late games is simply because of how the New England Patriots play defense historically. They are known for what's called taking away your right arm or taking away your right hand, making you play left-handed, for lack of a better term. What that means is, they take away your best option. That's what Bill Belichick is famous for doing. And because of that, I think Jalen Waddle is actually the X factor for this game. I think they make you play left-handed. They're going to take away the Dolphins' best option, which is Tyreek Hill. Again, we saw what Tyreek Hill did last week. Fantasy football nightmare. The number one receiver, go-to guy for Tua. I think they take that away. But it's still a high-powered, fast-break passing offense. And I think that's where Jalen Waddle becomes the X factor in this game. Patriots know to take away best players. I think that opens up for Waddle. I think he gets over 100 yards receiving on Sunday in that game. And then for our Monday night game, there's actually a doubleheader on Monday night football, which I'm excited for. I get to watch football for four hours on Monday. I'm excited. Hope you guys are too. So, but the Monday night game, one of the doubleheaders, I'm going to actually go with the Saints. In the Carolina Panthers game. And what we have here, I guess this whole segment has been about wide receivers when it comes to X factors. It's a passing league. But I'm going to go with Michael Thomas. I think Mike Thomas can't guard Mike. I think he will be the X factor in this game. The same thing that the Titans are going to do with Nuke Hopkins. 
I think they do the same thing with Michael Thomas. Derek Carr, they're going to try to build a rapport, make a conscientious effort to get the ball to Mike Thomas. He's healthy again. When he's healthy, he's one of the best receivers in football. He can catch over 100 passes this year. I believe that he can be on pace for that if they can get him the ball, find a way to get him comfortable. He looked good in week one. I think he had seven or eight receptions then. I think Mike Thomas gets a lot of the ball. I think he gets a touchdown early in that game, a first quarter touchdown. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Thomas has a big game on Monday night. Primetime game. I think they show out. I think they show the world that Mike Thomas is still here and that he's a force to be reckoned with. So to recap, X Factors for the week, we got Jalen Hurts tomorrow in the Thursday night game. We got Nuke Hopkins on an early Sunday game with the Titans, welcoming him to Tennessee. The late game, we got Jalen Waddle with the Dolphins. And then a Monday night, one of the double headers with New Orleans, we got Mike Thomas, can't guard Mike, getting an early touchdown. Be sure to check your fantasy football. Remember, the game start tomorrow, so you want to make sure you do that tonight. Make sure you don't forget, see who's healthy. Go ahead and compare, see who the matchups are. Be sure to get all that locked in before kickoff tomorrow. When we come back, this is the X Factor Sports Podcast. We will get into that two-minute warning. You don't want to miss it. This is Jay Mondane of the X Factor Sports Podcast. We'll be right back. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. Hope you guys had a great time. This was an amazing show, season two, episode three. So excited for you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. Be sure to like, share, let everybody know about the show Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. every week. Audio is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. Before we head out, we always like to do our two-minute warning. And I wanted to make this note kind of hit close to home today that tomorrow is not promised. So you want to seize the day. Make sure that you are appreciating the things you have be happy for where you're at in life, good or bad. If you are at odds with somebody, if you're arguing or fighting with somebody, give them a call, reach out to people because you don't know if you're going to see them again. You don't know what's going to happen tonight. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Be sure to enjoy the moments you can. Enjoy those small victories. And you got to smell the roses. Stop and smell the roses. Any other time you have with family, be sure to connect with them. Don't let the petty stuff get in the way of real relationships because tomorrow's not promised. All right. What you want to do is just live every day. I won't say live every day like it's your last, but find happiness in every day. Find something that's good. Find something you enjoy about the day. Find something you can get better at. Like those types of things are what make life great, what makes it fun. Even though we all go through tough times, we're not promised the next day. I read something or actually saw something on TikTok 
where this guy says, if I gave you $10 million, would you take it? Obviously, everybody says yes, right? But then he said, what if I gave you $10 million today, but you couldn't wake up tomorrow? Would you want the $10 million? Obviously, we would all say no. So what you're saying is your life is more valuable than $10 million because you would want to wake up tomorrow. The message there is that tomorrow is not promised. You have to appreciate what you have. Love the positives, learn from the negatives, and move forward. This is Jay Mondane of the X-Factor Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Waiting for next week. We got week three football we will be talking about. We got WNBA playoffs. We will dive into that next week. We'll talk about who we think is going to win the WNBA championship. We got Major League Baseball playoff push is coming. October is almost here, so we will get in the MLB playoffs. Thank you guys for tuning in every week. Like, share, subscribe, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. This is X Factor Sports Podcast signing off. Peace.